So my question to you, this isn't my message, this is just the precursor. <laughs> Think about what you're thankful for and are you rejoicing in that? First, are you rejoicing in salvation through Jesus Christ? Should be the foremost thing on our mind. Are we thankful for the people that God has placed in our lives? Yes. Are we thankful for our jobs? Are we thankful that we lived in a blessed nation? Are we thankful for all the freedoms that we have that we can proclaim the name of Jesus? Amen. Are we thankful that we are here and not in a hospital this morning? See, all these things, if you're not thinking about it and you're not thankful, you'll never really rejoice in it. Right. So God gives us that choice. Starting my message, and for everyone... 25, possibly 30 and under, I'm about to give you just a nice little giggle in this video. For those of you that are over 30, you're probably going to remember this, this song, but I'm only going to, we're just going to play about uh, one or two minutes of it. Do we, you have it ready? See how many of y'all remember this. the worship team should dress like that. I think Matthew and David should be in suspenders. I, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the hat for, I mean, come on, that that was, yeah, some Don Johnson, some double-breasted loose suits for, for I, I love that song. I love Russ Taff, and, and um, my message today is they didn't bow, they didn't bend, or they didn't burn. And one of the things that I realize is that life is uncertain. You know, I, I start off every Sunday saying, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Because you don't know what's going to happen each day. Situations change. Situations change in our lives that we have no control over sometimes. A lot of times we do have control over what we say, what we do, that creates 
the environment that we're in, but sometimes you get an email from your employer saying there's been some decisions made. Our government will make a new mandate changing the rules that we're used to. Gas prices suddenly decide to go up and we have to start making choices. Are we really going to just go for that drive or, or whatever the case may be, but there's situations that will always be coming up in our lives. Choices that we will have to make. See, life often makes you force to stand for what you believe in. Life is either going to have you stand for what you believe in or it's going to make you back down from what you believe in. All of us have beliefs. Whether you, you claim Christ as your, your savior or not, everyone has beliefs in their lives. And those beliefs can be challenged by anyone. It could be a professor. It could be a co-worker in your, your office. It, it could be a neighbor that's constantly criticizing or, or trying to, to twist a word. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody where you really have to use your words carefully because they're so clever to take, well, you said this, but did you, you know, and, and you're like, this is too stressful of a conversation. I like simple talk. I like when Andy Griffin and Barney used to sit on the porch and just strum and watch the evening go by. Now everything is so intense and every word is being watched. Every action is being taken for granted. So let's go into the word of God today. Daniel 3 verses 4 and 6. And it says, the herald called out loudly. People of every providence, nation, and language, when you hear the sound of rams, horns, flutes, lyres, harps, and three-stringed harps playing at the same time with all the same kind of instruments, bow down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Verse 6, whoever doesn't bow down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So what we have here is that there has now been a command from the government that when you hear the music, you will bow down. The goal here was to force the children of Israel to worship a pagan god. Now the children of Israel knew the Ten Commandments. Do you remember the first two? We talked about them last week. They knew the first two commandments, but only three young men didn't bow down. Today, we don't have golden statues in the middle of Pantego or Arlington or Fort Worth or Dallas or Grand Prairie. I don't know about HEB, but down in this area, we don't have those golden statues. And there is no mandate that says if you don't do this, you will be put to death. But my question is, what if there was? What if this week something came out in your employer, in your school, that said, if you don't do this, you're gonna lose your job. We'll kick you out of school. Our marriage is over. Children would say, I, I never wanna see you again. Where would we stand? Would we stand on the principles of God or would we cave in to the demands of people? That's what I said earlier your beliefs will constantly be challenged that you'll either stand or you'll bow down. I'm thankful that our society doesn't create that deadly situation, but our society does create situations every day. 
I've told you many times, we have become a society that is open to everything except the gospel of Jesus Christ. Say that again, Mark. Thank you. We have become a society that is open to everything except the message of Jesus Christ. You can go on to UTA campus and you have the, the free thinkers. And we were eating at a restaurant yes, last Sunday and there was more information about meditation and Buddhism than I've ever seen in one location. Flyers, classes that you could sign up to. All of that is just, Pastor, you've got to be open to everything. <laughs> I don't think I need to open is my Bible. I have to open my heart. But we have become a society that is open to everything, except when you start mentioning the name of Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, you know, even in your Facebook and, and all of your social networking, you can mention God, and, and people don't really have a problem with God. God bless America. We, you know, we'll say that at our baseball games. You start mentioning Jesus, and all of a sudden, you've created quite a stir, no matter where you are. You know what, just next time you're at the Rangers game, just stand up and yell, Jesus Christ is Lord, and see what kind of looks you're going to get. <laughs> Test my theory, okay? Just see what happens. You're like, no, no, Pastor, this is America. Apple pie, Chevrolet, Jesus Christ. Just go try that theory. And what I'm telling you is that we have become a society that is open to so many things except the principles and the relationship of Jesus Christ. Our society is constantly pushing us into dishonest conduct. You know, there's nothing wrong with little white lies. There's no such thing as a white lie. A lie is a lie. Regardless of how cute we make it. There could be a, a push in your uh, work for greed. If we'll just do this, no one will know and we will make more money. Selfishness. We have become an I generation. With our iPhones and iPads. But everything is building a statue about ourselves. Are we going to bow down to these idols? Now I want you to know, <laughs> I have a 10 point message. I'll still have you out by noon, so don't worry about that. We're gonna go through, so buckle up, okay? And all of them start with the letter C if you're taking notes. Number one, circumstances. We've already covered this, but King Nebuchadnezzar sets up an image of gold 90 feet high and nine feet wide. That is a nine story building, all made of gold. Now, the commentators don't say that it was an image of him, but those who have studied King Nebuchadnezzar says it probably was. Okay, this man had, did not have a vanity problem. He had a vanity obsession. And so what happens, he makes this command that when the band plays, everyone's going to fall down and worship him. Circumstances. Number two, the command. Number two is the command. To defy the command of the king was a serious thing. Satan is putting pressure on us each day to defy our walk as Christ followers. Life is filled with conflicts. The command. You know, I was thinking about when this, this, the horns and, and the music instruments went out to, to play, how everybody bowed down. It was a forced worship. And I think that even in today's society, there are many countries in this world that have these large, I don't know if you've been to any of these countries that I'm talking about, have these large like tornado sirens. We have them in here to protect us, but there at certain times of the day, a, a sound will emit from these to tell you, you are going to bow down, you're going to pray. 
To me, forced worship is not true worship. Forced worship is not true worship. God wants us, when we come into this, we have to set all the side of all the pressures, all the worries, all the concerns, and we enter into worship. Because that's what God really wants is our heart. He says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And just to come in and say, God, here I am. I'm pouring myself out as an offering. That's what moves God's heart. Not that, hey, pastor, I've recorded every time that I've prayed and I've done it every, every uh, three or four times a day. It's not true worship. But there was the command that goes out. Number three, the cost. Anyone who refused to worship this image would be cast into the fiery furnace. I want you to know that it cost to follow Christ. It does cost to follow Christ. We have presented a cheap grace, a discounted salvation. Accept Christ, live the way you want. You just bought eternal life insurance. You don't really need to read the Bible. Just know that, hey, when you were seven and you did this, and you're, you're, you're eternally good. Live the way you want. That's a cheap salvation. Christ paid the ultimate price on the cross for our salvation. And it cost us. In Philippians 3, verses 7 and 9, it says, Paul wrote, These things that I once considered valuable. These things I once considered valuable. Are there things in your life that were once valuable to you? I now consider worthless for Christ. It is far more than that I consider everything else worthless because I am much better off knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. It's because of him that I think of everything as worthless. I threw it all away in order to gain Christ. Paul said, you know what? This world has nothing that comes into comparison with my relationship and knowledge. Just my knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is, this is a waiting room for my life to step into eternity with him. Amen. And man, all we're doing is busy. How much can we accumulate during this temporary time? You know, we went on a little vacation. We went up to Branson. And when we're in that hotel room, Kristen did not go out furniture shopping. You know, what would you're doing? Oh, I'm buying furniture. We're in a hotel. Oh, I know that. But, you know, look how much better this hotel would be if we bring in all this stuff. You say, Pastor, that's ridiculous. It's the same type of mentality that we're doing when we're trying to collect everything with our 70, 80, 90 plus years here. When really what the Word of God is telling us is we should be collecting souls. We should be outreaching. We should be preaching the gospel. We should be teaching others about Christ. Not about saying, you know, I've got a 12-car garage. I've got four vacation homes. I've got this media set up. That's not what's important. Number four, choice. As soon as they heard the sound of the ram's horns, the flutes, lyres, harps, and three-stringed harps with all the other instruments... All the people from every providence, nation, and language bowed down and worshipped the gold statue and King ne- that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So we see that when the band played, the people fell down and worshipped. Every one of those individuals had a choice. Every one of them had a choice. You and I have choices every day. Every day we have choices. As I said, you don't know what even today holds. But we have choices of how we're going to respond. We can do what's right in God's eyes, or we can do right what's in man's eyes. 
But I'll tell you, if I'm going to be any kind of a pleaser, I want to be a God pleaser. Amen. Even if that offends my brother or my sister, I want to please God in all that I say and do. Joshua had the same decision that we see in Joshua 24, 15. It's a very common verse, but it says, But if you want to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you'll serve. Even if you choose the gods of your ancestors, served on the other side of the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in those whose land you live, my family and I will still serve the Lord. That's been crocheted on pillows. We have it on a stone in front of our house. But you know what that's really saying? Is that no matter what is happening in society, no matter what is happening in our culture, I am going to take a stand for the Lord. If everyone else is bowing down, we have to determine now that we're not going to bow down. Because you know what? When you stand and you have that choice, that may not be the time that you're going to be making that decision. Are you willing to stand when everything around you is bowing down? Point number five is control. Verses 10 through 12 tells us this. Your majesty, you gave an order that everyone who hears the sound of the ram's horns, the flutes, the lyres, the harps, and three-stringed harps playing at the same time with all the other kind of instruments should bow down and worship the gold statue. Your order said that whoever doesn't bow down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed to govern the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men didn't obey your order, your majesty. They didn't honor your gods or worship the statue that you set up. From this passage, we see that Nebuchadnezzar wanted full control of the people. That's really what it's all about. Control. There were three people in his court that were jealous of the favor of these three Jews. I'm going to tell you that when you walk in God's favor, there are going to be people that are jealous of you. And they're going to be constantly trying to undermine you. Now, the Word of God tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers of darkness. Powers and rulers of darkness right now are trying to coerce the situation. You, as a child of the Most High God, walk in favor. You can walk in blessing. You can walk in health. You can walk in everything that the Word of God promises. And there are going to be people that are jealous of that relationship. They're going to hate you because you love Him. That's what the Word of God tells us. They rejected Christ, but we want to be accepted. As the name Christian follows, it says that we are followers of Christ. And even the word says that they're going to hate you because you follow me. They're jealous that you have a, a peaceful marriage. They're jealous that you've had promotion after promotion after promotion. They're jealous that you're generous. They can't understand that. They can't understand why you smile, why you whistle, why you're not upset. They want you to be like them. They want to take you back to Egypt constantly. But you were purchased with a price. You don't belong to Egypt anymore. You belong to Jesus Christ. So control. They wanted to expose them in their identity. They point out to Nebuchadnezzar because they want to be in control. They would like to fill those positions once the three uh, Hebrew children are, are destroyed. Spiritual battle is all about control. 
so who are you, who's going to control you? Is it going to be your friends? Is that who's going to make the controlling decisions in your life? Is it going to be your boss? I've had some dominant bosses in my life. I know what I speak of when I present this. Is it your own wants and desires? Is it peer pressure? Is it God? See, it's all a matter of control. It's all about control. What's happening in these three children is out of their control. They didn't do anything wrong. God wasn't punishing them for disobedience. They didn't have an action. This was not punishment. My point is that sometimes things happen to us which are beyond our control. It's not our fault. And what we need to remember that God is always in control. Amen. God is always in control. Your story may have been, I didn't do anything that deserved this. But God is still greater. You don't understand why the accusations came. God is still greater. You don't know why this sickness is taken in your body. God is still greater. Amen. You don't know why your finances, your business, whatever the situation is weighing heavy on your, your life right now, God is in control. There are forces in the spirit world that are trying to force you to do something. Number six, the challenge. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is it true that you didn't honor my gods and worship the gold statue that I set up? See, the king is challenging them. He's giving them a second chance. Why is King Nebuchadnezzar giving him a second chance? Because he liked them. He had promoted them. They were governors over the area. They had favor in his eyes. And he's almost like, say it's not true. Opportunity may knock once in your life, but temptation is going to knock every day. There will be challenges where you can deny Christ. You can deny your Christian faith. You can stand down from principles that you believe are God's truth. Nebuchadnezzar even challenges the power of God. We see this in verse 15, the second part. He said, if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. What God can save you from, your, from the power then? He's challenging God. Is our society, though, not challenging God? Are we not challenging Him with decisions that are made every day? His blessing is on our nation. But our relationship with Israel is strained. And the word of God says that any nation that blesses Israel, he will bless. But how many of y'all can honestly say that even in the last five years, our culture is more godly, more controlled, more loving, more peaceful than it was just five years ago? Even two years ago. We all see the trend of what's happening. We see it in our music. We see it in our television, our movies. Everything that is forming us is teaching us that things are actually getting worse. He challenged God for his ability to do anything about it. Your faith is going to be challenged at some point in your life. 
If your God is so great, then have him do this. It could be a professor, it could be a co-worker, it could be a neighbor, it could be a friend, it could be a relative that's been hurt and disappointed because God did not respond to their need the way they want. Wait, we were talking about control, weren't we? We don't control God. Amen. And the people that are normally disappointed with God is because God didn't do what they wanted to do. Is that not control? Who are we to tell the creator of the universe the way he should run a situation? Number seven, confidence. Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer the king Nebuchadnezzar. We don't need to answer your last question. Now, we take this so lightly, but they're standing in front of the king who has power over their life at any moment. We, in a Western culture, don't understand that. That this man could point you out and have you executed like that. Well, that's not fair democracy, Pastor. There was no democracy back there, okay? So you're standing in front of a person who could just snap out your life, and you're saying, we don't even have to think about that last question. We're not stepping down. Do you see the audacity in these three young men? Could you stand in front of the Supreme Court justices and they'll say, we're going to give you one last chance. Deny this or be put to death today. Maybe, maybe that's how we can think about this and understand what's happening in this story. Notice their confidence in God. Number eight, compromise. They could have compromised their faith and justified themselves. Don't we all do this? Don't we compromise with statements like, well, everybody else is doing it. I know I've justified something that way. Everybody else is doing this. Right? Have you ever, okay, for those of you who are without sin, cast the throws, first, the, first throw the stone, okay? But have you ever been on the interstate and all of a sudden traffic is backing up and you see that there is miles and miles and miles of traffic? And people start cutting down the shoulder, right? I mean, so your justification of whether you're going to do this and get on the service road, which is wide open, is, well, if enough other people do it, then I'll do it because a highway patrolman can't ticket all of us, right? So there's like power and group, okay? So if I can get six or seven other people all to do it, I'm going down the embankment getting on the service road. I'm using something very, very minor to show us that inside of us, all of us have that justification that if we can get enough people to do it, then it must be right. What harm will it do? If I do it in secret, no one will know. How can I be a witness if I turn everyone else against me? And our favorite, when in Rome, do as the Romans. What happens in Vegas? Stays in Vegas. So everyone else at your school, your office, your friends may be bowing down to the gods of pleasure, to money, to sex, and increasingly you're going to be the only one that doesn't bow down. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and rely not on your own understanding. 
there's pressure every day to compromise. But do you know what's harder to st- than standing up against unbelievers? Is standing up against believers. You see, the church is becoming more and more comfortable with our society. And it moves. And so all of a sudden, if you're sharing a testimony of a healing, oh, God doesn't heal anymore. We're, we're, that, was, that, that died with the, the last disciples. A move of the Spirit. Oh, that, that's, that's just man-made. There are pulpits in America that do not believe that the Word of God was 100% inspired or accurate. There are pulpits in America that are removing Jesus Christ from salvation and teaching a works-based message. Removing grace, removing mercy, removing forgiveness. Not in other worlds, even here in the state of Texas. And at some point, their followers are going to come into your world. Do you know the word of God to be able to stand up when they start telling you that God doesn't do this anymore? God isn't pure love because a God of love wouldn't do this. It's not just our culture. God's people are following that culture. And Christians are tending to forget the lost and our commission. And we're retreating into a comfortable entertainment faith. Even artists have written songs about, is this my service or is this a show? Christian artists. Because, I mean, and I love going to a great concert. But I mean, when there's more emphasis on the smoke and the lasers and the lights than there is on the message of their songs, then what am I trying to kid myself with? We as a church have to make sure that we don't lose our fundamental commands. Constantly for ways to reach the lost. Number nine, and I've got nine more minutes. Conform. Then the three men were thrown into the blazing furnace. They were wearing their clothes, hats, and other clothing. The king's order was so urgent and the furnace was so extremely hot that the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed by the flames from the fire. They could have conformed what everyone else was doing. Now the the bold stand in front of the king is over and they're being led down a hallway to a furnace. What does the Bible tell us about conforming? Great question. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what, what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the Bible tells us that we are to conform, but not to conform of this world. The world is trying to shape you. Wall Street is trying to shape you. Madison Avenue is trying to shape you. Hollywood is trying to shape you. Every news network, every cable, every television station is trying to shape you. Every radio station is trying to shape you. 
There are websites out there that are helpful, but they're trying to shape you. But we weren't designed to be shaped from the outside. We were designed to be shaped from the inside. The power of the Holy Spirit. That is what forms you. That is what shapes you into who you need to be. You say, Pastor, which one's going to win? It's the one that you feed. If you're spending more time on outside influences, then you are going to be shaped into exactly what this culture wants you to be. You will look, you will talk, you will do, you will sing, you will dance the way everyone else is because that's what they want. Or you can be shaped from the Holy Spirit by spending time in His Word, by worshiping Him, by seeking Him, by making a block of time day to spend that time with him and ask God those decisions that you're supposed to do. God, is this the way you want me to go? Is this the direction? Is this what you have for me? Shut any doors that are not of you, God, and open the doors that you want for me. And all of a sudden, that inside formation is going to get a lot stronger so that when all of a sudden you're hearing the music and everyone else is bowing down, you're saying, no, no, no. The more of Christ you allow to control your life, the greater the force you have to conform to his ways. My last point, companionship. You didn't know there were 10 C words that I could use, huh? <laughs> Verse 25, the king replied, but look, I see four men. Yep. I'd have loved to heard him say that. I don't think it was just that dry. But look, I see four men. I think there was fear and trembling. Could you imagine looking in a furnace and seeing, okay, once again, just put yourself in the story, would you? Don't just sit there like, well, this is a good story. Put yourself in it. You're looking in a furnace that you just saw three people get thrown into and you see four of them walking around. And I bet one of them's dancing a little bit, okay? I don't everything's like, okay, we're walking around the fire. Hi, guys. No, I mean, I bet there is some dancing going on. I would. I mean, if I thought I was about to die and all of a sudden I'm walking with Jesus in the fire, you think I'm going to be like, hey guys? No. I mean, like, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. I'd be pointing. I'd be like, do you see him? But I see four men and they're untied, walking in the middle of the fire and unharmed. And the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. Even in the fire... They recognized Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, was with them in the fiery furnace. God didn't protect them from the fire. God protected them in the fire. Amen. See, we all want to be protected from the fire. We don't want bad things to happen to us. And no one wishes that. But God is with you. Because remember I told you earlier that no matter what happens, even if it's out of your control, God is still in control. God is still in control. Amen. He protects them. As Christians, we need to take a stand for God. It's not always going to be easy. Yeah. You know what happens in our Christian life? Good times happen. You say, well, Pastor, that doesn't seem really bad. <laughs> I'd like the good times. But I'm sharing this from my own life. When things are going great, 
We sometimes get complacent. I sometimes have taken God for granted. I've ignored him. Everything's great. Everybody's healthy. Our finances are wonderful. I'm not really praying as much. We just think that we deserve this blessing and we forget to start to praise him during those good times. We tend to stop worshiping him as much because we kind of go on cruise control. Have you ever had a time of your life where you were on cruise control? But even in that time of blessing, our relationship with Jesus Christ should be the foremost thing Amen. in our life. Then as a Christian, there are bad times. I just mentioned good, there's bad. In the bad times when everything seems to be going wrong, we tend to get discouraged. We think that God is nowhere to be found. I'm going to tell you it's very easy to blame God. It's very easy to blame God. Then we start looking to ourselves for the solution. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've prayed great ways for God to move in a situation. Or I've started working in those ways so that I could fix the situation. God had a purpose for this fiery furnace experience. And God has a purpose for every furnace experience. So what is that purpose? 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's what we learn in the fiery furnaces of our life. That we have to cast all of our cares upon Christ because he cares for us. Even the little things. You know what I've found? Little things grow into big things when I ignore them. Little things grow into big things in my life when I ignore them. When I don't pray about it. When I just put it in a side of the house where I don't have to see it and think it's gone away. And it doesn't go away. We need to be praying to God about every fiber of our life every factor, every decision, seeking God, thanking God for all that he's done, even when your spirit doesn't feel like thanking him. There are times, I'm, I'm, I'm honest with you, there's times where I've gone to God with my grocery list and I had to stop myself and say, God, I'm so sorry. I love you. Amen. I love you, God. Thank you. Thank you. And I really mean it. As much as I can as a human being who is imperfect, who serves a perfect God, I just tell him, thank you. I love you. Sometimes maybe that's all you can think about is just telling him, thank you. I love you. But we see the change happening in our spirit. All of a sudden, that list that was so heavy, everyone's demands and cares that we were carrying, all of a sudden starts to get lighter because we're doing exactly what the Word of God tells us to do. Cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. As I close, I want to give you an opportunity that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may be in that good time or you may be in that bad time right now. Things are stale. You just don't sense God. 
you're praying and your prayers aren't being answered, maybe let's just have a reset button. Just say, God, I need to rededicate my life. I need to get priorities straight in my life again. And that comes through just rededicating our lives to Christ, making a change today, making a change that tomorrow is not going to be like today. It may be that we've got to cut out something that's influencing our life. And I think you might know what that is. I wouldn't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. And maybe God's asking you, can you remove that from your life? Can you remove that idol that you've placed in front of me so that we can move forward? With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, you know I lead you each week in a very simple prayer. But I've asked you some questions today that even as we're praying, I hope that you're thinking about. If everyone else starts bowing down to something that you know is wrong, do you have the ability to stand? Do you have the ability to stand? And it might not be our culture. It might be within your own family. It might be people that you trust and respect, and all of a sudden, you know they're making ungodly decisions. Are you able to stand? Or in your workplace? Or in your school? Or in a relationship that you treasure so dearly? And they're forcing you to do something you know is not godly. If you feel you don't have that inner strength, there's a line in this prayer that says, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come in and to give you the strength to make those right changes. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, seek, ask, pray, read the book of Acts. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. 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 Well, I hope the only thing you didn't get from today's message is how not to dress like the 1980s. But that even today, there might be choices that you're going to have to make. Are you going to stand for Christ or are you going to stand for man? Are you going to stand or are you going to bow? There might be a little bit more idolatry in our lives than we would ever admit it to. But I pray that the Word of God reveals anything in your life to you that has become an idol that you couldn't give up if God asked you to give it up. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if you'd please stand. Please remember that Tomorrow night, the ladies are meeting. On Wednesday night, the youth are meeting at 6 o'clock. And on Tuesday night, you're going for a walk. 
Also, by the way, the Lake East 14th anniversary is this week too. So let's give them a hand. We celebrate longevity. And the Palages, really, what? When you were two, wow. <laughs> you really have been childhood sweet. How many years? 14, same as the Lakeys, wow. Celebrate the good things. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor, give you his peace, go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for coming. We love you very much.